0: So tonight, I'd like to begin our exploration of the paramis, the ten beautiful qualities of the awakened heart that we'll be developing and exploring this month together. Okay. And um, the etymological the um, meaning of paramis, para, is to carry, or is to go over to the further shore, to the shore of liberation. And param is paramount, so they're of paramount importance in our lives. They have those two meanings. And tonight, I'd like to focus on the first of the paramis, generosity. And it was the first thing that the Buddha would teach people, was to practice generosity. And usually we talk about it at the end of a retreat. But it's a wonderful way to begin for those of you that have just joined us, and also as a support for those of you who have been practicing, so that we can infuse the whole of the rest of the retreat with this beautiful parami. And it's a privilege for us, for me, to share the Dharma with you. The Buddha taught three ways of giving, giving of material things, giving of the teachings, the Dharma, and giving of the gift of fearlessness, of being free from fear. And so the first is to share this gift of the Dharma that we're able to do. And in return we're receiving the benefits of your practice. And it's a precious gift to give ourselves wholeheartedly to the practice. Sometimes we come on the retreat to get things So you might think of your intention being to give yourself to the practice rather than to get something from the practice. And already we've been practicing generosity. Those of you that have been here for a month have provided this beautiful container of stillness and openness for the people who've just come to slip into, as Jack was saying last night. And so there's already been a giving and receiving. And the people who've joined us are bringing their energy and dedication and commitment and integrity. And so there's this um, beautiful mixing and giving of receiving, of respect, of honoring the stillness, and of um, maintaining the silence that we've been engaging in. And there, Buddha taught there are five ways that we can give. A good person gives out of faith, out of respect, at the right time, free from attachment generously, and without denigrating the other. And so it's my hope in giving this talk that I'll be providing the Dhamma at a time that's useful to you, and that I'll be able to provide levels of dharma that will work for those who've just joined, and for those of you who've been practicing. That the right kind of food will be given, um, that's digestible. (coughs) The Buddha gave advice to Layman Tundila, who came to him, um, asking for advice about generosity. And he said, without generosity, it wouldn't be possible to become an enlightened one. Generosity is the staircase to heaven, the best path to liberation. And it's considered the door for entering perfect peace, for entering nirvana. So it's the beginning of this path to liberation. And it's also a powerful antidote to most of the difficulties that we face personally, culturally, collectively, and in the world because it's the antidote to the clinging, grasping, and aversion that Jack was talking about last night. We live in a culture that's focused on getting and becoming, and which increases our sense of separateness. And so the antidote to this is a releasing, a giving. So this attachment that we're counteracting with Letting go, opening. And so it's this movement of openness rather than of contraction. There are two words in Pali that express generosity. And the first is dana, the one that you're for most familiar with, mm-hmm. and that's giving, giving, out, distributing. Usually thought of as material goods, but it's also of our time, our resources, our. Um, our help, our willingness. And it's, it's a beautiful practice in learning to let go, this distributing. The other word that we use is kaga, C-A-G-A, and that literally is giving up, relinquishing. And so it's the next level. The first is the distributing, and the next level is really an attitude of mind and heart. It's giving without attachment, releasing possessiveness. So it's it's inclining our mind towards generosity. Ayakima says um, that generosity is a countermeasure to letting go of me and mine. So it's it's to think in terms of togetherness, of um, of appreciation, of compassion to all, and the then. There's a third level, so if dana is the first and kaga the second, then there's a third level of giving, which is really relinquishing or letting go of the kalesas or difficulties, defilements, hindrances, those um, factors in the mind that cause so much suffering. The ones that are ignorance, craving, clinging, aversion, hatred. It's the releasing of those qualities in the mind and heart. So it's a very deep letting go. And when we practice generosity in this way, we're not um, seeking anything in return. It's for our own gain. In a moment of giving, we're abandoning aversion, we're abandoning clinging, and we're even dispelling delusion because we're weakening self-centeredness. We're relinquishing that small, separate sense of self. Buddhadasa said, if you can't understand the idea of non-self, you can understand non-selfishness. And that's what generosity is about, non-selfishness. So what does it feel like, this movement of generosity? So just have a sense with your eyes closed of of maybe grasping both hands tight, of just having this inner sense of mine. And it could be about something, anything in your life or your practice, mine, I want it this way. And just feel that sense of contraction in the body and the mind. And then allow your hands to open as though you were holding them out. Let the body soften. And that's the movement of generosity, of releasing, of giving. This sense of openness. So what is it that we give? Tonight I'll be focusing more on the not on, necessary, not on material things, but more on the inner movement of generosity and of the ways that we can practice on retreat. One of the most powerful gifts is the gift of freedom from fear. And we began that by taking the presets. And we'll talk about the precepts and sila more in detail as we go on. But it's a great gift that we've given each other to take The precepts, this freedom from fear, that we can all feel secure and safe. This is from um, the foreign policy of King Ashoka. It might occur to those outside my kingdom what are the king's intentions towards us? This alone is my desire for those outside the kingdom that they may understand my kind wishes towards them, that they may be free from fear of me and trust me, that they may receive from me only happiness and not sorrow. And I would further wish that they understand this, that the King will tolerate in them whatever can be tolerated, that they may be inspired by me To practice Dharma and that they thus may gain happiness both in this world and the next. That's a nice foreign policy. (laughs) Too bad that more of us, more countries don't have that. But that's true generosity that we might live in free from fear and have the gift of the Dharma and happiness. So another powerful gift we can give ourselves, also connected to freedom from fear, is unconditional love. To be present for ourselves as we sit here, as we walk, as we go about our day, with friendliness and with compassion. The gift of acceptance for whatever our experience is. When we can give that gift of acceptance, we're able to be increasingly honest with ourselves and authentic. And I found that the deeper this gift of acceptance in my practice, the less afraid I am of my own judgments. I hadn't realized how frightened I was of my own mind. But this gift of Complete acceptance means we can see the most difficult things about our, um, our habit patterns, the ways that we are in the world. So notice the attitude of your mind as you practice. Is there aversion to my experience? Or is there acceptance, allowing of how I am? So to explore that, and even in this moment, noticing, what's my attitude? Can you practice generosity to however your experience is in this moment, whether it's easy or difficult, whether the body is comfortable or tense? And the next great gift is the gift of our practice meditation itself is a form of giving, and it's not to be underestimated. It's it's such a huge part. This is from um, a description of giving in the Pali ca- Canon. And the Buddha, this is from the Anguttara Nikaya, and um, they're following a Brahmin who had given the most lavish gifts of silver and gold and elephants and cows and food and clothing and all these things. But it was said, the Buddha went on to said, it would be more meritorious even still to feed one person with right view. And then they go on and list still, and it would even be more meritorious to take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma and Sangha. Better still, to abide by the precepts. And then better still would be to cultivate loving-kindness. An even greater gift would be to, as well as loving-kindness, would be to practice so that you get full insight into impermanence and into this attachment to self. And so the gift of our practice is immeasurable, what we're doing here. to be aware of that, to appreciate that. So in a simple way, it's really giving up whatever comes into our awareness, whatever comes through the sense doors, a sound coming to the ear, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant, letting it arise, letting it vanish without reaching out and grasping or reaching out to push away. Just a sound. If this grasping, notice that, and being aware of it. And then the breath, receiving each breath as though it was a gift. a gift of life it is, so receiving a breath. Releasing the out-breath. As we release the out-breath, we're giving the gift to other beings. We're all in this interchange of oxygen, of, of, of gases that are um, life-giving. And then the body, can we give the gift of respect to this awareness of sensations in the body? When we're in pain, the gift of kind attention rather than rejection. Notice how often we reject the experience in our body. We reject the fact that our body is betraying us by getting old and um, by aging and sickness and all these things that happen to the body kind attention, however it is. So just the bare experience before we add or judge. And then we can give up or relinquish. That's the relinquishing aspect. Distracting thoughts have this sense of giving them away. And ultimately, we're relinquishing the ego structures and identities and sense of self that we have. We're giving away our ideas about who we are. Sometimes I think it's like a two-for-one special, pride and arrogance, you know. (laughs) Take them, please. (laughs) So in releasing in this way, in giving away, we're more peaceful with things as they are, and there's a stability and a safety that grow from that. The gift of our pure presence is um, an amazing thing not needing anything to happen not needing to fix anything just presence the acceptance of how things actually are whatever they might be in this moment perhaps if you've been here for a day it's been a difficult day and there's been sleepiness or restlessness or busy mind and is it possible to be generous with that and just give kind attention? This is how it is. however it is allowing rest, allowing that it's okay to be sleepy. Maybe we've been sitting for a while and there's a deep stillness and peace that's here. can we can we be even more attentive and give the gift? of noticing the subtlest layers of holding on, or of grasping. So that we're including generous attention in whatever phase our practice is. And from moment to moment, you can notice by paying attention to the body. Is there tension anywhere? Is there a contraction? Is my attitude towards my experience stingy or is it generous? And what might it be like? What might it mean to you to be generous towards your experience today, right now? What might that look like to you to be generous towards yourself? It might be to give complete attention to each breath. It might be to give complete attention to the movement in walking, to to drinking a cup of tea. Or it might be to let yourself lie down and sleep. Or it might be to notice the edge of moving into indulgence. What's the difference between generosity and indulgence? To be able to be honest. Sometimes the most generous thing we can do is to not have to get it right. Permission to make mistakes or to explore and try things out. It's such a relief not to have to get it right. Give ourselves the gift of not striving. And that gives us spaciousness, When we give ourselves the gift of space, there's a release around the contractions that come in practice. We can include all the parts of ourselves rather than excluding. We can include all of our experience so that we don't have to run from or attack difficult mind states or try and fix them. There's a generosity and an openness that can explore contracted or a frightened mind state and allow rather than exclude so there's this kind of gentleness with generosity of being our own best friend I'm here for you you can do it you can just be with this a little bit longer or just connect and sustain a little bit longer So we're offering support and encouragement to ourselves. And we're fully receiving the breath, sensations, emotions, and thoughts, the direct experience, and we're relinquishing the stories, the views, the judgments, the opinions. Sometimes on retreat, We can go through times, because our practice is like a purification, we can go through times where we, we review past mistakes in our lives. We get caught on a run of reviewing all the past mistakes. I know I've had days like that on retreat. And then the biggest gift we can give ourselves is forgiveness. Can it be okay to just be with this, to hold it in kindness, rather than to judge? As our practice deepens, we begin to be able to see a mind free of greed, a mind free of delusion. And we also begin to see moments of contraction, movements of greed, movements of anger, movements of confusion. And work meditation is actually a wonderful place to explore generosity and to explore all these different energies coming in. Because work meditation is all about generosity. Sometimes we can have a job that takes a lot longer. You know, sometimes... um, I know people used to go on retreat and want to get there early so they could sign up for a job that wasn't very demanding or that didn't take as much time or whatever, or that was their particular job. We get attached to our work meditation. And sometimes we can feel that Um, I remember once being assigned a job that took a really long time. And at first, a lot of my thoughts were not particularly generous. And I was thinking of all these other people going into the hall and being able to sit more and so forth, until finally I saw that movement of mind and I was able to give myself wholeheartedly to what I was doing and to actually really enjoy it. And then to realize, oh, may these people who are practicing Um, may their practice move them to liberation. And so that there's an awareness through looking at our practice and looking at our our, um, work meditation as well. Someone was telling me on a retreat recently how they'd had a job where they... um, It was a job where two people had to do this particular thing together. And um, my friend told me that the other person had a very clear idea of how it should be done, which was different from her idea. And so at first, most of her sittings were filled with work meditation (laughs) dukkha and how she wanted to have it her way. And this went on, and then she realized how much suffering was happening because of her attachment to how she wanted it to happen. And so she decided, I'm just going to surrender to this and be generous and allow it to happen the way her work partner wanted and so that's what she did and it became a beautiful dance between them and all it took was that movement of releasing of relinquishing her way and being willing to be generous that changed it because she saw what is it that it has to be my way and all of us there's some particular place where we get caught um, we can learn about, what are the particular places that I hold on? Is it my Zafu, my walking space? Somebody's walking in the place that's mine. Or somebody's sitting in the dining room where I want to sit, or whatever it is, we get attached. And we know how it is, sometimes it's territorial, it's my place in the hall. Um, And if somebody were to sit in our seat, it would be really difficult to be generous about that. And so we look at that and notice, what am I holding on to? Sometimes it's our view of others that's not very generous. It's judgmental. And can we release it rather than being stuck in clinging to a certain perception of someone or a certain perception of ourselves? Sometimes it's our preferences, our preferences for food. We can really watch generosity with food on retreat. Um, I was sitting um, a couple of years ago at the Forest Refuge, and my job was to put out the breakfast things, and there were always a certain number of bananas, never enough for everybody to have a banana. And one day I noticed this person come and take three bananas and hide them in the cupboard. <laughs> and this huge judgment <laughs> arose, so <laughs> of, of, you know, of my reaction was completely ungenerous, <laughs> and so it was very interesting to notice the the amount of airspace that got <laughs> for the next number of sittings, um, and what it was t- that led to um, the banana situation of how, you know, I wanted everybody to have a certain amount, you know, an equal piece, <laughs> and yet at the same time find myself reaching for the biggest cookie or the one with the most chocolate chips or the one that's the least burnt or whatever it is. And so just be, to be able to be honest about the ways that we get caught in greed or caught in aversion. Receiving is also a gift. The Buddha said there are two kinds of rare and precious beings, those who are generous and those who are grateful. And gratitude is a beautiful thing. It's a way of appreciating all the wonderful things in life. And sometimes it's hard to receive. We can think that we don't deserve it, or that we have to be perfect or faultless to receive. Or we can just miss the experiences of appreciation and brush them off. It's a gift to receive, not just because it opens our own hearts, but also because it provides others a chance to give. Quite a few years ago, um, I knew someone who had a, a significant disability and she'd been able to come on retreat, but needed people to carry the tray in the dining room and help serve her food and things. And at first it was very difficult, and she felt very embarrassed and unhappy that she needed that and was inconveniencing people. But then she realized that when she had a moment one day when she really received and allowed and was grateful for the people that were giving to her, and she saw that when she did that, there was a huge amount of joy that the other people were experiencing giving. And so there was this reciprocal movement back and forth. And she said she felt like there was no giver and no receiver. It was just this heart-to-heart movement and sharing. And so it changed her whole way of being as she was receiving the generosity of those who were helping. And So gratitude receives every kind of experience, and it supports our meditation practice and our lives. And it gives us confidence to be able to continue in our practice. We can, appra- we, can, we can explore appreciation for ourselves. And we can notice moments when we're actually free of hindrances. And we can appreciate this is a mind free from greed. Or this is a mind free from delusion or free from aversion and really let that in and appreciate those moments, have gratitude for them. We can appreciate ourselves for our practice and for the good qualities that we have. And it's not about being good or bad or having an egotistical view of it or being proud of it, but it's simply appreciating the times when we cared enough or were compassionate enough to share rather than to hoard to let go rather than to cling, to be open and spacious and generous rather than to hold on. And it's as though by bringing into mind those times, it keeps the doorway open for generosity. It reminds us of that, and it keeps the doorway open for this continual letting go and releasing. And also, there's actually so much generosity around us. The news media tend to focus on horrible things that people do to each other, as though that's all that happens. And sometimes in our practice, we can focus on what's wrong. And yet, there's so much generosity and so much caring and so much movement that's happening in our practice. There is a wonderful unfolding that's happening, and to appreciate that. When we dedicate our practice at the end of the day, we're honoring um, our own practice and the benefits of that. So let's just do um, a short exercise in receiving for a moment. So you can allow your eyes to close. Bring into your awareness a benefactor in your life. Could be several benefactors. People like the Dalai Lama, Mother Teresa, Kuan Yin, Mahagosananda, Ramana Maharshi. People who generate unconditional love, compassion without discrimination. Maybe for some people it's Mr. Rogers. Whoever it is that you really feel that sense of love. And imagine or visualize these beings, and there can be several or many of them, are above and around you. And that they're looking at you with love and compassion. And that they're radiating down to you their wish, the gift of their wish, for happiness, for deepest well-being. As though they were saying to you, may this being receive the deepest well-being and happiness. And allow yourself to relax and open to receive this gift of their wish for your happiness, your liberation. This gift of your, their wish for you to be free from harm. Simply receiving as though their love was falling down like a rain that you could soak into you that you could receive the deepest well-being and happiness and this gift of acceptance and let it soak into any difficult experience you might have had today. This gift of being held in kindness Fully receiving. Is it possible to fully receive? Notice any areas of contraction or tension or holding in the body and see if it's possible to release the grasping or the holding. To fully receive the body open, receptive, giving up whatever holding or contraction there is. Releasing any holding in the mind, receiving so that the mind's open, spacious. The body, the mind, the heart, open, spacious, receiving. you find this image or this sense helpful, you can use this from time to time, evoking your benefactor or benefactors, and receiving in this way. May this being receive the deepest well-being and happiness. so you can allow your eyes to open if you want, but to continue to receive and allow that that energy in. Often there are blocks to both receiving and to giving. Whenever we feel anxious or unhappy or threatened or unsafe in any way or inadequate, there's a block or a contraction that makes it difficult to be generous or difficult to receive. When we feel inadequate in some way, it's really difficult. It's like there's an inner poverty of some sort. Comparing mind is really um, a big block to our generosity. When we compare ourselves, either above, below, or whatever, to someone else or to an idea of how we should be. It's hard to be open-hearted. When we have some kind of inner poverty, whether it's poverty of love or being seen or being enough or of possessions of power, some sense of that we haven't enough or we aren't enough, then it's very difficult to let go. It's really um, a big barrier when we get caught in that way, when we get caught in the delusion of not enough. And it's as though there's a basic sense of lack that's underneath all this holding. And we want to fill it with stuff. And in a way, this basic sense of lack is what sort of leads to the greed and the hatred and delusion being out of control in our culture and leading to more separation and more alienation Because there's this need to fill in all the time, or to defend. And it's hard to give. This is from the Diganakaya. Thus, from the not giving of property to the needy, poverty became rife. From the growth of poverty, the taking of what was not given increased. From the increase of theft, the use of weapons increased. The increased use of weapons, the taking of life, increased. And from the taking of life, people's lifespan decreased and their beauty decreased. And so the causes of fear and aggression can only begin to dissolve when we can move past the poverty of holding back, of holding on. When we can move past the poverty of having to have. And so generosity, the practice of generosity, is such a beautiful way, even one moment of releasing a place we're holding on. And in our practice here, just a moment of kind attention to a place that we're contracted around, a moment of understanding, a moment of mindfulness, uh, opens us up. It's a, a w- in, a, in a way, it's as though we're offering up the greed. We're saying there's this much greed here. When the difficult, We're giving the difficult forces a chance to actually arise and be seen. Because the gift of love and caring is there, we're able to see the greed and the aversion. Here it is. And we can be open-hearted rather than contracted around it. And when we can offer it up, there's a possibility of transformation. So as I was You know, again, the more open-hearted we can be, the more generous we can be, the less afraid we are of the difficult mind states. And then they begin spontaneously to release. When we're not contracted around them, they actually get to move through. And that's why generosity is such a powerful antidote to holding on and resisting and grasping my view, my things. So, giving and receiving fully counteract this sense of basic lack, and they bring us into contact with a profound sense of interconnectedness, so that we can start to recognize the inherent emptiness of things, and there isn't the distinction between giver and receiver. And at the deepest level, level, there's no gift, no giver, no receiver, just this movement of life, this exchange and we start to see as our practice deepens, what can we really possess? We're born, we come into the world with nothing, and when we die, we can't take it all with us. We're tem- temporary caretakers, really, that's all. And all of us here have had people in our lives die, and we know that the possessions, you know, I I know anyone who's been to... um to pack up their parents' house, all those possessions. We can't take them with us. Essentially, we own nothing. There's no getting, no possessing, no giving. It's just this space that everything is moving through, this flow of life. So the Buddha described many ways of giving. Um, Sometimes we give out of fear. Sometimes we give because we want something back, Um, a good reputation, an expectation. And this can apply on retreat, too. We're trying to get it right. We want samadhi. We want our own approval, or we want to be seen, or whatever it is. And all of the ways have benefit. They all do. Um, It's any act of giving, no matter what the motivation, is of benefit. But it's of even more benefit if we're not just giving for merit for a good result, but we're giving free from attachment. The Buddha didn't say it was wrong to give when our motivation wasn't completely pure, but more, the, but the more we can infuse it with um, a sense of letting go, and with no attachment to outcome, with no grasping, then the more it becomes a true parami, the more it will actually take us over to the other shore, the shore of liberation. So there's those two aspects, the aspect of meritorious action from giving and the aspect of wisdom. Both of them are important. The Buddha once asked one of um one of the um householders who was very generous in her giving what was her motivation and what she expected what the benefits were that she'd been accruing from her uh, from her great generosity because he noticed that she in particular gave to monks and nuns who were practicing and this is what she said She said she reflected that when she'd contributed to someone's um, spiritual practice and to their awakening in some way, there was great delight arose in her. And then joy arose in the mind that was delighted. And then there was a sense of ease and relaxation and happiness. And then that began to develop um, the factors of enlightenment, spiritual powers, and then that furthered her own practice. And so gradually her giving was benefiting others and their benefit was bringing her joy that was furthering her own practice. And the Buddha was so pleased with her reply that he exclaimed, Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu. Because Her generosity was helping them to cross over to the other shore and in return, she was too. So, practicing generosity whilst we're here with our mindfulness and with our kind attention, with having a friendly attitude to whatever we do, wherever we are, kind attention, even just as we wash our hands, or take a shower, or serve ourselves food. And giving ourselves kind attention in that way, we're more able to be honest. So we're giving ourselves the gift of being completely honest about our experience and truthful. Then we notice what we're doing. We can stop and notice and appreciate, and then share our appreciation. And again, in our work meditations, being aware there's so much opportunity to explore generosity there. Sometimes our motivation is pure, and then sometimes we lose it, and we find ourselves caught in aversion while we're giving. Um, I sat the month of February a few years ago and my job was being the laundry yogi, as some of you are familiar with that job, I know. And so the first time I did it, um, there was a little confusion about the instruction. And so people brought all their clothes, even their um, fleece jackets and all this stuff, and so there was this monstrous pile of laundry. And it probably took me and the other two people that were helping me all day to get through this pile of laundry. And for the first couple of hours, there was, I was giving with a huge amount of aversion and judgment (laughs) about the necessity of washing things that to me didn't look dirty. And then I began to pay attention to the aversion and the lack of generosity. And as I paid attention to it and didn't judge it and allowed it to move through and just watched it, I found myself beginning to fold the clothes with some appreciation And then I found myself saying, may this small woman be happy. May this large man be happy. (laughs) May this person, and so forth, with each article of laundry that I folded, it felt like a gift. And then the next day, when I saw people wearing the clothes that I'd folded, there was a real sense of joy. Oh, that person's wearing the happiness that I was imbuing that with. And so... Um, Not to be discouraged if you find yourself giving with aversion, just to pay attention to it. Just to pay attention when you find the motivation mixed. It's not about judging it, but exploring it. It's a wonderful practice. So we stop and we notice our gift of mindfulness. We notice what's happening. And then we appreciate what's going on. And if there's generosity, we share it whatever it is. So really, our generosity practice is symbolic of relinquishing everything, the outer material attachments to the type of food that we want, or maybe we want um, no noise in, in the in the um, residences, whatever it is, our attachments to um, preferences and habits and ideas and beliefs. There's so many moments of the day where we can notice our attachment to preferences. So there's this symbolic letting go of control. Can we receive what's given and not need more or different? May what I receive today be enough. Receiving each moment of life just as it is. Trusting it's enough for unfolding so that's, these are ways of practicing with our generosity. And as our generosity practice deepens, so does our mindfulness. As our mindfulness deepens, our generosity does. Each moment of mindfulness conditions generosity, and it also conditions more moments of generosity arising in the future. So we're giving to help free ourselves and we're giving to help free each other. And I'll end with this um, from Andrew Olensky. In a profoundly interdependent world, generosity is fundamental to the entire economy of life. Even the simplest biological function involves receiving something from others nutrients, oxygen, life, processing it in some unique way, and then passing it on to all the other members of the matrix of life. We all do this whether we want to or not, and whether or not we are aware of it. The practice of giving becomes perfected when we align ourselves very deeply with this truth. By consciously and mindfully offering everything we do or say, even everything we think, as an act of universal generosity. So, thank you for the gift of your attention. And may the gift of the Dharma bring you happiness and liberation.